Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experiences. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Megan. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm being ratioed on Twitter as we speak. Yeah, so this it's is, spectacular. Yeah, it is. It's it's I, I'm. It's almost like we're live streaming. We're gonna maybe comment on some of this in in real time as soon as we get our our housekeeping out of the way. Of course. Um, what do we have to tell the folks before we get uh, into the real meat of the episode? Please rate us on every everything okay, just rate us everywhere but listening. also okay okay listening. hold on hold on listen to this you gotta <laughs> hear this <laughs> they're already they switched Please. over they moved over to the fifth column already. rate us everywhere um it helps it really does help a lot um people pay attention to those uh for all kinds of reasons even when you know they're they're looking to i know i do this when i'm um Checking out if someone's invited me to be a guest somewhere, I will look them up. I will look at their ratings. You do? I will see. Yeah, yeah. If somebody to- invites me to be a guest, I'll just say yes. You'll just. I'll go, I'll go <laughs> no, on no, anywhere. I-, <laughs> I don't care. I will go on any show because I um, love to talk. I will do anybody's show. So it, Megan will do it, but uh, some people, some people, um, you know, they 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 pay attention to these things, um, and whether they want to work with you, all sorts of stuff. So it matters. Um, please. Uh, continue to rate us. You guys have already been so kind um, on the in the comments there. Uh, I obviously we love reading great things about ourselves, so it's just it's nice. But you're self hating, um, so you probably well, like reading negative things too. Negative, too. yeah. It's 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 well. One guy, one guy did rate us negatively. That one guy who said we were. What was it? We were oh. low budget, Katie Herzog or something, something oh. like that, which was. Uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly. But then yeah, he were, was something he's, like he's the one that revised it. But only no, slightly. this was a oh, different one. This okay. is a different hater who was just oh. like, this is, this is, which, yeah. you know, you know. Third rate yeah. Katie Herzog. Well, yeah, something okay. like that, which I'll is, take yeah, it. I'll fine. take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, not that bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and we both have Substacks. Uh, Megan has a new <laughs> Substack uh, that she's, she's just taking on everything these days i have a Substack. please follow me on my Substack. even if you're just like doing the free subscriber thing you'll get a lot of the content and i'm gearing up on it um again there's some stuff i'm gonna publish on motherhood soon oh uh yeah it's gonna make people mad oh good i can't wait yeah, it's actually based a little bit on some of the comments that that we got from last time oh. um we can actually touch on that a little bit because I w- last time we I think I think you asked me a question about uh, like what do you think I think I think you you asked me what do I think about um you know, what should young women do like how should they like organize their life or something I'm not right, sure should they ha- well because we had been also talking about Camille Foster's appearance and how he had been with his wife for a long time and you know you settled down relatively young so that trajectory versus my freewheeling gimlet-eyed sex in the city <laughs> lifestyle 
continues yeah. to this day. Yeah, yeah. So I think you asked me about like what advice I would give or something like that to you know, something like that. And I uh gave my, you know, prescription for a happy life. And uh people got upset about that a little bit. Um I don't think they were that upset. I just think they thought it was perhaps not perhaps easier said than done. Which yeah, yeah, admitted. which which of course, of course, yeah. Uh, um so so that's the other thing is that anytime you give like oh here's what I think <laughs> here's a norm I think most people should adopt. Um you have to clear your throat a lot. So that was my own fault. I didn't I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough, you know, to be sure, you know, this is Actually, this, you're you're not you're not clearing those yeah. things. Yeah. You have a whole podcast that's just <laughs> doing <clears throat> like for half well, of could, it I, and then we start. <laughs> I actually literally need to do that because my throat is. Very... Yeah, I know you've been <clears throat> you've been uh, under yeah. the weather. Yeah. Um. So I I should have done that when when I stated that most pe- you know from for for young women I would like to see a norm where young women can feel free to have kids early or even are encouraged to have kids early on in their life and then get a career started. There are, of course, a lot of reasons why this is very hard to do, um, even impossible to do. Um, there's a lot of reasons that society, you know, uh, gets in the way of this becoming a reality for people. Um, but my, you know, this is, I was thinking out loud about like, here, here's it is a way to uh, maximize as much you know, utility as possible, like to, as close as we can get to having it all. If you are somebody who wants to be a mother, right. um, uh, and that's something that you you really want in life. Well, uh, here's a way to situate your life in a way that you can kind of sort of kind of sort of get, uh, yeah. you know, uh, as much possible out but of your I life. Think, and it's cl- you were saying that this should that it should be a norm that this is an option. Like, because right now it's not a norm at all. It's an aberration. It's so an aberration. You weren't it's saying absolutely everybody should do it. You should just say it shouldn't be stigmatized. Shouldn't be stigmatized. I mean, I I actually could go as far as to say, like, when I mean norm, I don't mean you know everyone should do this, but that this is seen as you know a healthy template to walk down. You know, we have various cultural tep- templates we look upon and we say either this works for me or it doesn't, and some people are pressured a little bit into to to thinking hard about those templates or following through with them. I think it, it's so tough to be a young woman. Uh, to be 20 years old and to face the idea of being a mother, you know, it's uh, there was one commentator that was that was saying, you know, I I in my 20s I was I I I was exploring the world, and you know, Sarah seems to think that we do nothing but scroll on our phones and go to bad dates or something, and 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 you know, I I went and visited all these countries and saw the world, whatever. Um, it, of course, right? I mean, and that's that's the point. The point is that it's so tempting to. To spend when you're this time when you're young and you have full you're full of energy exploring the world, um, you know, doing all these interesting things, have accumulating all these experiences. Um, this is a very it's a very tempting thing for a young person. It's actually much more difficult to uh, face the reality of motherhood at a young age because you 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 know that you know now I am responsible for this person and it's a heavy load to bear at that age. But, you know, young people are also really bad at looking at themselves and and thinking about their life, what it, what it will be like when they're 40 or when they're 50. And there's unfortunately too many women. And this is increasing. I was looking at the numbers of like, you know, the, the, the percentages of women 
who will never have a child, even though they want one. Mm-hmm. Um, these are they're continuing to rise, and it's kind of startling, really, yeah. to see. Um, there, there are a lot of women who are in the position where they thought. I'm going to do all this in my 20s and I have plenty of time. I'm going to have this career and it's going to be wonderful. And then they finally settle down to have a child at 35 and realize that this is going to be actually very difficult for them, um, if not impossible. So I think these norms help people make a decision that will be for majority of people, majority of the time, mostly good, <laughs> right? Well, also, With all those caveats, actually but- adding to the option. <laughs> I mean, because people can say, oh, but, but, you know, women need options that you're trying to take us backwards. No, you're actually saying that we need to add this option back. We need to to add this option. We need to, um, uh, you know, because I, when I talk to younger women, um, a lot of them are just simply unaware of the fertility, like, wall. Really just totally unaware. That's so weird. I I know. I I know. I believe you, but it's like how... Like how many decades have to go by with a million women's magazine articles about this? I don't, I mean, I, I just think it's something people don't want to think about, um, for good reason. It's a a terrible reality. The other thing is, you know what, here's the the fertility lie actually, that is more of the moment. People don't realize how unsuccessful IVF usually is Mm -hmm. and they don't realize that freezing your eggs is by no means a guarantee. I think mm-hmm. that th- those options, especially yeah. the egg freezing has been presented mm-hmm. as this like, mm-hmm. you know, panacea or yeah. just fail, fail safe mm-hmm. thing. And it yeah. could not be further it's, from it's, the truth. Yeah, it is not that. And IVF is, I mean, beyond the fact that it fails a lot, it is incredibly taxing on the body, incredibly taxing. And we, it's actually unknown um, the extent, it, what effects it will have on, because <laughs> there's, there's no, it, it's, it's a lot of these um, procedures and interventions are still fairly new and they're not studied 10 years, 15 years, 20 years after you have received treatment. Yeah, because treatment. they can't be studied. They can't exactly. be, they can't right. be. And, and the women going through them are desperate. So they're just like, okay, they'll say, doctors will say, here's this new thing. And you can try it and it might increase X, Y, Z. And the women will say, yes, do it. You yeah. know? And we don't, well, we don't know and what effect the that'll have. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll the pay way, the $10,000, $20,000. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. And the clinics are making money. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of money. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot there. Um, and I, I would just like for young women to know the bargain that, you know, know their options and fully understand them. Uh, I don't think I fully understood them. And it, I feel lucky is a weird way to phrase it, given that it's kind privilege. of due to someone else's. Privilege. Yeah, privilege, privilege, privilege. I feel I'm privileged in that I, I, I found a partner at an early age and also that I had a lot of older friends who were facing these fertility issues. And if I hadn't seen their struggles directly, you know, in front of my eyes, I might have also just ignored this longer. You know, like I could have just stayed married without any kids for years and years. Mm. Why not? It's great to be the, the, what is it, dinking it, right? Like double double income, income, no no kids. kids. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful lifestyle. Um, 
I could have just continued to do that. Um, but part of the reason I started when I did was because I was seeing the effects of these choices on other women and unfortunately how much it hurt them and the, the, the how much it cost them at right. this, you know, at, uh, in their 30s and 40s. But I want to say, I mean, people did raise the point <laughs> or ask the question, like, how are you supposed to find a suitable yeah. partner in your 20s? I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like you you were fortunate. You met a yeah. really good guy when you were yeah. young, but men in their 20s are generally speaking, not ready for commitment. So if you're in your twenties and you want that, you're going to have to marry probably someone older and that's okay. But Mm -hmm. then that's, that's what the, that's what it's going to be. So I I think that we, it's a little bit unrealistic to say everyone should just settle down, especially with men being the way they are now. And we can segue into uh, (laughs) one of our topics because I just, especially, I just think that it's, I can't think of really any young person, young man in his 20s that I've ever known, with very few exceptions, who was really actually ready to settle down and could have done that in a... Did you know many religious guys? No. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But I yeah, think but I, religion, I agree but that's with like you. a whole I agree. different... Yeah, yeah. Whole different, I, I agree like, with you. Subset. I, despite, you know, when I say this should be... I, I, I'm... I'm you know, this is this is this would be best case scenario if it could realistically happen. And but the chances are you're right that that the young men aren't ready for that. Um, I I just think you can maximize your chances if you if at least you as a 20, 21 year old woman are open to the idea. You know, I think if you ask the average 20 year old woman, um, if you were to find the perfect guy, this year, <laughs> would you get married? <laughs> would oh, you have a kid two years horrified. after that? She would never say yes. Right. She exactly. So want to meet the perfect guy this year. That's like a, a that's fear. a really common thing to say. Yeah, right. Right. Course. And I thought that, too. You know, I thought that, too. When I uh, met my husband, I remember thinking, oh, God, it's too early. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready for like the relationship. Um, uh, so I, I that that's sort of what I'm addressing. That That's that part of it that you can change. You can't change luck. You can't change you know, what men are going to do or not do. Um, but yeah, so that's, that, that's, I guess, the I'm, more I'm complete thought. what you think about like putting, being aware of putting yourself in situations where there are men to choose from. Like I've said before, I went to a college that was predominantly women. It was historically a woman's college. I was around a lot of artists. I was in New York working in magazine publishing. There were just very few straight men in my world. Mm-hmm. So I often think like if if meeting somebody and settling down had been a priority for me, which it it wasn't, uh, I would really I, I it would have behooved me to think very differently. Like if I had mm. known in high school, for instance, that I wanted to meet somebody and get married pretty young and start a family, I hope that I would have had the sense or somebody would have said, okay, well then you need to go to this kind of college. Like you Mm -hmm. need to go to a big state school or you need to go to a place where there's a lot of men. You should not go to this particular liberal arts school or to an arts college or anything like that. Like you should Mm -hmm. be thinking in those terms, but like strategy is really out of vogue when it comes to uh, mate choices. People love the idea of serendipity and you yeah, know, that's that word specifically. That's so it's the way romance should just happen and it sweeps you off your feet. And, right. you know, I, I think that's such a it's such a toxic um, 
perspective, but <laughs> toxic. Wow. It's pretty it's talk. I mean, it's cute, right? Like it's cute when you're really young, but then you get to a certain age and it, it it's probably good to to let it go for the sake of your own happiness and for the happiness of your partner because it's a lot to expect out of another person that they're going to be this magical like prince or princess oh, uh, that's going to perfect your life. Of course. Um, yeah. But just yeah. in terms of having, you know, we were talking last time about how the Princeton mom was on some level correct, even though mm-hmm. she went about her, her messaging, her messaging was pretty unappealing, but mm-hmm. yeah, like she was basically saying that if you, especially if you're at a college like Princeton and you're a woman, which I think they're pro- that historically there've been more men at Princeton anyway, it used to be only men that is a place where you're going to have probably the best pool of high value mates uh, mm-hmm. of any time in your life. So you should think about it that way. But yeah. I also think there's a lot of people who are not at Princeton. Uh, and, you know, the vast majority of people don't, they go to commuters schools. I mean, the vast majority yeah. of colleges are not uh, yeah. even residential colleges. So we yeah. need to like really think about what people are are dealing with and the the lives of most young men, frankly, which is pretty bleak at the moment, apparently. Yeah. 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 Um, So on on that, on that note. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we have a, we have a couple articles in the Atlantic that we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. What's Mm -hmm. with the Atlantic? I can't tell where it's at. I mean, so your ratio happened oh, because you, you <laughs> we can yeah. start with because because it's happening. It's, it's happening. Yeah. So, it, OK, guys. Yes. Yeah, so we're <laughs> recording this. This is this is what losers we are. We're recording this on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I there was this absolutely a few hours ago, there was this absolutely absurd piece that popped up in the Atlantic um, about how. Uh, sports should not be segregated between the sexes. And it was written by somebody. I'm not even going to name her. It's a freelance writer living in Seattle. And she was basically making the argument that there's really no, there's still a lot of debate as to whether there are biological differences between the sexes in terms of things like muscle mass and lung capacity and all of this. And, uh, and that it is um, that, that somehow like that, that, you know, basically that, boys should be able to play in women's and girls sports and vice versa. And the article, I mean, it contained many choice inanities, Yeah, but um, among them was one, though sex differences in sports show advantages for men, researchers today still don't know how much of this to attribute to biological difference versus the lack of support provided to women athletes to reach their highest potential. Sarah. (laughs) Oh my God. Mind blown. This is, this is groundbreaking stuff. Um, yeah, this, this article separating sports by sex doesn't make sense. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really think sometimes, sometimes I maybe overestimate um, the irony uh, radar of people on Twitter. So I, I, I tweeted this piece. I probably shouldn't have done it at all. Like I, I took that quote, I quoted it, uh, and I put it in quotation marks. Okay, let's be clear. I put it in quotation marks, and I posted the piece, and I linked to the piece, and I was going, I was sitting there with the tweet, and I was like. Do I say something like, ladies and gentlemen, The Atlantic magazine? Like that was one idea I had, or I was gonna, you know, say like, 
excuse me, like something, you know, and then I just thought, no, that's, that's just too broad. Like this thing stands on its own. It is so idiotic and it's actually beneath me to try to, you know, add some kind of, you know, snark punctuation to it. So I just tweeted that. And it, what happens is what always happens. Like a few people initially laughed and they knew exactly that I was making fun of it. And then uh, it took off. And as we speak, there are um, almost 500 retweets. There are almost 1,200 comments. Uh, it's only been a few hours. Most people think that I wrote the article. Wow. And uh, yeah, Megan. so they're not. I know. I would, first of all, like, like the Atlantic would ever publish me. Okay. <laughs> Would I think definitely I would the you. they they definitely they have would. published me in um, the past? No, they would. <laughs> so they only publish. I mean, clearly they no, they would publish. That's what's so weird. Like they pub. I yeah, they would publish some stuff. Like what is this? So what is this? This is so. This is just quackery. I think there's no other word to describe it. It's anti-science. And. I actually think it's a beautiful way of like, it's a beautiful article in the sense of it it has all the ingredients of a, you know, quote unquote, well-researched, you know, seemingly well-researched, well- flavor of an actual piece of reporting. Yeah. They quote people who are, who, who have titles that seem relevant and the researchers and blah, 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 you know, and, and, and sort of mine it all, put it all together in a form where, where if you're not paying attention, you might actually buy the argument. Um, if it wasn't such an insane argument to begin with that most people are hostile to right at the get go. Um, but it, it, it is dangerous beyond just being quackery because if it, if this is going where I think it's going, um, you know, I think this is, this is the beginning of, uh, you know, a a the new narrative, um, the new mainstreaming of like, the, look, there's really no sex differences at all, not even physically any sex differences. And I in, in the article there was one paragraph, just one, um, that you know made it obvious why this was why this was being published today. Why is this a concern? Um, <clears throat> I'm quoting. In recent years, the question of who can play on what team has developed into a full-blown front in the culture war based in large part on the fear that transgender girls will unfairly take over girl sports because of sweeping generalizations about biological athletic advantages. As of this writing, 18 states have passed laws to ban trans girls and women from playing in certain school teams. Some laws ban trans boys and men from certain teams as well. But perhaps what's missing from that debate is a question over why there are rigidly segregated girls teams and boys teams at all. Right? And there, that little paragraph, they, they don't touch the gender issue, uh, the transgender issue um, uh, in the rest of the article. But that that right there tells you why this is why this is something we're we're relitigating now and yeah. why it's important to deny the the differences in sexes. Um, and I. <sighs> You know, it's just so um, dispiriting, really, to see this kind of thing. And it's not going to be a blip. I think it's easy to see something like this and think, oh, it's crazy. They're getting so much pushback. They're going to revert, you know, mm-hmm. change course when it becomes clear that this is insane. Um, I don't agree. You know, I think this is a, this is the beginning of uh, 
of of a new era in we in which we continue to deny this until we have won the culture war um and at that point at that point when enough girls are hurt um when the the, the negative impacts of this are impossible to deny and they have to be really bad to get to that point maybe then things will shift and I, I know I keep bringing this like extremely nihilistic flavor on the podcast and I feel bad about it except uh it also feels honest and and true unfortunately mm-hmm. uh yeah I'm gonna read a little bit more from it just so people get a little more context here okay so and again this is about this is about sports and they're also not making a difference between playing sports like in elementary and middle school and and past that. <laughs> like those are completely different equations. Okay. The insistence on separating sports teams strictly by sex is backwards, argues. Now, I wonder how many people she had to how many experts she had to dig through. Argues Michaela Musto, an assistant sociology professor at the University of British Columbia who has studied the effect of the gender binary on students and young athletes. She quotes she says, part of the reason we ha- why we have this belief that boys are inherently stronger than girls and even the fact that we believe that gender is a binary is because of sport itself, not the other way around. Okay, that is gymnastics. Okay, that's we're, we're witnessing gymnastics on the page. The strict sex segregation we've instilled in sports at all levels gives the impression that men and women have completely different capabilities. But in reality, she said, the relationship between sex and athletic capability is never so cut and dry. This is a quote from the sociologist here. There are some boys who could also really get hurt if they were competing against other boys in contact sports. Okay, now, (laughs) uh, one small study in Norway, whenever you see small study in Norway, you know, you should you should pay, perk up your ears, found no innate sex difference when it came to youth soccer players' technical skills. Wow. So eight-year-olds have no difference in technical skills, the boys and the girls. Says Again, a small study. Mind blown. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, that's true. That is probably yeah. true. Um, but we're not talking about eight-year-olds. We're talking about... Uh, college, high school, college, and, and beyond. I just, you know, what, what, um, what my real takeaway with this is like this poor writer who had to, who wrote this piece, like she's, she has, she, she's trying to have a career in journalism that either requires her to write this kind of piece or enables this kind of piece. And there's no good that can come of it. Um, and it really just it depresses me on a journalistic level more than anything. So yeah, you're more upset on a kind of existential level, and and I am as well. But just as a former actual <laughs> magazine writer, it just kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know how sorry I feel for this person, um, and I think it takes a lot of denial. Uh, to to get to this point and she must have had to construct this right i mean what what you touched on how how many people did she have to interview to get to that one associate sociology professor who was willing to to give her the right quote that she needed um because there are scores more who will say the opposite um very clearly say the opposite uh, so it takes some effort to construct 
this specific story. Um, it takes cherry picking to construct this specific story. And this woman proved that she's very good at it. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I feel bad yeah. for her or about her because I think this was a very disingenuous you know, piece of work. This was very misleading, um, anti-science. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, though, I don't think it'll be shut down. I don't think that it's going to cause, a, you know, uh, it's not going to be an embarrassment for her. It's not going to be a mark on her uh, professional uh, resume that that she published something so ludicrous because it, it, it is not, a, we are not allowed to discuss how ludicrous this is yeah. um, or the, the, the politics and the narrative that are, that are forcing us to start uh, cons- considering these kinds of perspectives that are obviously nonsense as well, not nonsense. Actually, there's a lot of, you know, reason there's a, why should, why do we have this in the first place? Well, you know, yeah. patriarchy, social, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, another interesting thing too with, with the <clears throat> tweeting is that, so then I, I tweeted this and then I started to get piled on and then I wrote, I tweeted, apparently some people think I wrote this article, which is hilarious if you know anything about my work. And that was uh, followed with a lot of people actually angry that I had not made it more clear uh, with an emoji or something like that that I disapproved of the article. <laughs> um, and they said, you know, somebody said, um, oh, let's see. Um, uh, you're a brave woman. Knowing the controversy, I would have added the author's name after the quotation. TBH, I thought you wrote it, to be honest. But I wanted to think about it before I commented. Okay, well, you're commenting now. Um, let's see. Should have indicated somehow that you mock it. Uh Let's see. Um, I, uh, let's see. Merely sharing a quote and the article certainly appears you don't think it's ab- as absurd as most of us do. To be fair, that part is on you. As a podcaster, I would think you would realize this. Uh, you should have added a grit- gritting teeth face emoji as a ratio protection measure. Let's see. You're a hack regardless. Uh, I actually like that one. That's, <laughs> that's, that's true. Regardless. Uh, yes. Let's see. Um you posed it creates the appearance that you agree with what's written since you posted no disclaimer to the contrary. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then it's, this is also interesting. A few people said, well, you have a blue check. So of course we think that you agree with this. Mm. <laughs> now that's that. Well, they have a point there. Do you um, have a blue check? No. Yeah. See, I got them back when they were giving them away for free. Yeah. I, um, People told me to like apply for one or something, and I, I don't know, just didn't. Well, I I applied for one only because somebody I had accounts impersonating me. Oh, really? Yeah, and I yeah I didn't care. I wasn't gonna do it. And then a couple of people said you really need to to do that because there's accounts out there. Yeah, like they would take my picture. They would use a picture of me, and they had like some version of my name. Oh wow! Um, yeah, that's kind of a compliment. Yeah, I, I know mean, to get right. that kind of hate. Yes, so that's why. But okay, so somebody. Um, DM'd me and I think this is like a fan or a supporter okay so she wrote I know your work well and for a split second I thought is this hers I think a typical Twitter scroller sees a few things your profile pic an unattributed quote then the homepage view of the article with the gaslighting in my view headline since you made no comment on it I think it may be easy to think you wrote it 
Also, you look in caps like an elite media professional <laughs> and packaging is all especially all on or no nuance Twitter. Packaging is all especially on no nuance Twitter. Just my two cents. Wow. So like that's a compliment. Is that a compliment to, that I look like an elite media professional? Uh, you know, I, I don't think you look well, but I, I mean, that's like, I mean, let me like see. Let's, let's, I think let's it's find a, it's a nice picture. I'm just like, it's a very nice I'm picture just like sitting outside. You seem I don't think casual. I, I don't think I have any shoes on in the picture. I don't know if you can see that. So definitely that's elite. Elite no, media. it's 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 a nice picture, and you look very. I don't think you look like an elite media professional. I don't, I don't like, know where what they're does getting an elite that media from. professional look like. It's somebody with a you know a book on there. That, that what's happening is that you have a book. You're and which is called Electrifying by the New York Times. That's, oh, so that's I would look that. I would, I would say, oh, whoa, the New York Times the is electrifying. She's written books. Little do they know that that book was abs- was got me thrown out of the literary community got me thrown out of the elite media despite that little blip of well but check mark plus that and then you wrote books you write mm-hmm. that in itself mm-hmm. is a little yeah. yeah so so okay so basically uh it's my fault for <laughs> it's, assuming... it's your fault for being on twitter well also but you know it's also it is a little bit it is a little bit of um you know blow to my ego because i guess i I thought, well, people people know me. They know I. They know I don't take this seriously. But the MAGA, the MAGA people are piling on. I will say, I mean, it is actually when this kind of thing. It's a pretty good reminder of how vicious, like the the MAGA trolls can be. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you were actually like if the actual author of this piece, first of all, she should thank me because I have basically thrown myself in in front of her and taken the bullets. <laughs> So she's probably watching what's going on. It's like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not gonna tweet this piece. Um, but no, if the you know, if somebody who did believe in this piece and or, or the author tweeted something and they would get piled on in a really, really mean way. Like it's not yeah. I don't yeah. care because yeah. they're actually not talking about me. But yeah, if I if I did care, it would be very painful. So Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's always good to remember this kind of or to, just from personal experience this is a good way to remember this because it didn't actually it wasn't actually about you um no and then it, it next time you know you're tweeting about somebody else you sort of think twice do i really want to do this to this person do they deserve but i didn't quote it see but the thing is i didn't oh right i see if i'm gonna i i, I see, if you're going to start a I pile tr- on next I time not yeah. to do that and i actually did part of the reason that i didn't comment or quote the author is i didn't i didn't want the writer of the piece to get dragged because she's not a very big account you did throw yourself in front of the bus i for did it. i did i just didn't i thought How it was, noble I thought, well no i just i never do that and i, I really don't <laughs> i i don't and here's the other thing is i was gonna take a screenshot but like it did that thing where it's like too big and i couldn't get the the screen cap to like size correctly for Twitter. So I just, I took the text and I put quotation marks around. I don't think it would have mattered that people would have still thought I wrote the piece, but anyway, it's yeah. But I guess we should, um, we should all, we should know that our, we can't just rely on our own audience is another, it's like a lesson for the whole like Substack class, right? Because you're just used to only people who know your work reading it. Yeah, and it's so easy to get on the wrong side of Twitter. Like we all we all live in our little Twitter bubbles, mostly our followers and that's very nice. It's a nice comforting place. But then sometimes your tweet leaves that bubble 
and it comes into some hostile territory and then you're going to get retweeted and shit and just all yeah. this stuff and then and then uh you just have to leave twitter for a couple of days while it blows couple over days i just think for yeah. doing this recording is a good respite even though i'm still looking at it yeah. I don't. I don't care though. I honestly don't care. Well, it's really not because it's actually yeah. not to, it's, about you, right? So right. it's it's fine. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I'm but, sorry it's happening though. It sucks. Getting ratio. Well, it, I mean, I get. I've gotten better at getting ratio. Like as as I've been on Twitter longer and have gotten ratioed more often, it's become more and more just funny and like something I can just, uh, you know, laugh about. You know, even in that moment, not not only, yeah. you know, afterwards, but as it's happening. But I don't know if that's a good thing. Am I becoming, like, obnoxious? Well, because I'm just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. one thing to have a thick skin. It's another to just be like, uh, I'm not sensitized. I'm too desensitized to this kind of treatment now. Um, well, I, somebody actually suggested that, you know, the way to make your podcast more successful is to get into more Twitter fights. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just won't. I won't. You won't do, do it. it. Oh, I'll do it. Well, sorry. I know. I should. I'll do it for you. I'm not going to do it for my own. I'll do. I'll do it. Unspeakable. I, I, just, I do it no matter what. Okay. I, I'll do it. I, I'll you do it for do the it. For, for the fun of it. I'll. <laughs> yeah. I just. I try to. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I don't. It's just. I feel like it's off brand for me. But that's again why my why I don't have my my brand is that, the way it is. Yeah. But, uh, so you can have you can have nuanced twitter fights Apparently but they not. but they 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 hmm. i mean even that's a line right that's a interesting line to have high drama high nuance oh that's not right, right. it's not an easy i just it's re- it, the thing is it just zaps all the juice out of your day like even just like in the last <laughs> few hours watching the the ratio you know you just get mesmerized by it Mm-hmm. Like you're just looking at the screen and you're like refreshing and you're like, there's more and more and more coming in. But next thing you know, two hours have gone by yeah, and you haven't left the screen and it's yeah. like, you just feel enervated. It's just that feeling like mm-hmm. dragging. Mm-hmm. It's, t- it's really pointless. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, well, so do we have anything more to say on this particular article? It'd be very interesting to see. I, I mean, people Anybody are just, uh, I'm seeing the way people are responding to it. They're like, oh my God. I mean, it's the same, you know, and I, I feel like it's not being, it's, this, this is sort of my frustration with the uh, yawning liberal, right? Like the kind of person who's saying, is this even a big deal? It's not right. even a big deal. Um, because they're not seeing the spread, uh, which is active. And every little piece, every little, uh, you know, uh, cultural war battle um gets us closer to a more absurd place um yeah so that's i mean that's i guess all that i have to say about it this is not going to be the last time we see this uh or something like this published in a major outlet so i'm sure we'll come back to this conversation soon unfortunately you think gender Um, yeah don't worry folks it's just funny it's just interesting to me what is is this you know this uh, concern about transgender girls essentially and women in in sports um i mean is this going to present like it feels like it's it's shifting entirely what title nine protections yeah you know were for girls i mean is that is is that the future we're headed towards that that that's just going to be in in all but but name, Title IX is not is no longer going to be a protection for 
for females? Well, the whole thing, it's, I mean, women are no longer protected in the same way. Gays and lesbians are no longer protected in the same way. The the gender movement is like uprooting the, the very civil rights movements that it, on whose shoulders it's riding. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't think that's sustainable. The problem is that most people don't follow it that closely. And so they think that it's the same mm-hmm. as those, as those movements and they are inclined to defend it, but you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to see a similar kind of, I mean, I, I in terms of, I hate to pivot so dramatically, but um, there's, I think we're going to see a similar effect on, you know, civil rights discrimination legislation um, due to this, this weird course corrective kind of anti-racism that, mm-hmm. you know, privileges minorities. There was um, a piece that was going around a couple of days ago um about a class action lawsuit against a Texas A&M University, um, <clears throat> uh, which is, I, I think it's one of the largest public universities in the United States. Um, and uh, the, the class action lawsuit is based on uh, the university reserving faculty positions uh, based on race um, and making bonuses available exclusively to minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, you know, clearly this is, this is illegal. But I'm sure uh, it goes on all the time. The fact yeah, is it's been right, exposed right. and this is a public, I mean, I guess all universities get public funding, so it doesn't really matter if it's private or public, but Tex- mm-hmm. Texas A&M, that stands for agriculture and mineral, right? Something like not that. Mineral, Agri- not mineral. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I mean, not. Like, it's mineral. like, no, really, it's, um, not animal and mineral and vegetable that's what it stands for wait i'm gonna look it up i think that's right i think we got it animal and mineral it's it's not known (laughs) but it's not known for its its sociology department is my point yeah well that's what's amazing about it is that it's actually like a&m texas a&m is a quote-unquote conservative public university to the extent that any public university is uh you know right leaning at all i mean it isn't actually like it's like center left or like <laughs> so from 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 the perspective of university professors yes they're wildly right wing but in actuality um yeah it, it's 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 agricultural and mechanical yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, texas animal and mineral <laughs> i think that's a better one. <laughs> um uh so yeah they um it's it's pretty interesting because they're being charged with uh you know, violating the Civil Rights Act, um, uh, uh, you know, which prohibits race discrimination at federally funded universities. Um, so it's really interesting what will happen um, as a result of that class action lawsuit and and how it will be interpreted by the courts, because it can, you know, it, it will determine whether uh, these protections that were so important to secure um, under the Civil Rights Act uh, uh, are going to change uh, substantially in a, in a very different way. And it's very interesting, again, to see these kinds of movements come from the the, the progressive left, right? An undoing of their own mm-hmm. legislative achievements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah, so there was a, a tweet thread that was going around a lot this week uh, having to do with uh, race. So I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah. Um, so you, Megan has to you go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, you know what, Megan? So can I give you permission to like, it, it, does that work or do I have to be like, 
I think you have to give like it every, every single time. Or it's not just like a okay. blank. I can't just have like a like a season pass so I can mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. say racist things. Can uh, I write like maybe maybe do <coughs> maybe get 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 a like a signed document, get it notarized. Yeah. Make it clear that you're always allowed to it might, yeah, it's gonna probably have to be signed by like the governor. Or okay. And the governor mm. of California would not sign that. Mm. So I think we're dang it. We're screwed. But you're I give you permission to participate. Okay. I'll in this try. conversation. Okay. Okay. But you and go you, you start. It. But I, I go, okay. okay. <laughs> so there was a there was a tweet going around. Um and I thought it was an interesting jumping off point. Um, to a conversation that we've kind of had on this podcast before. Um, and I guess we'll just continue to have again, cause it's interesting and fun. Um, but <clears throat> there was, uh, this, how should I say, um, very online account, you know, the, of, of an anti anti woke account. And for those of you who don't know what I could possibly mean by anti anti woke, um, you know, congratulations on being healthy, and uh, I'm I'm jealous of you. And, anti, uh, okay, so just, but we're we're anti woke, right? We're anti woke, and these are anti. This is these are the there's a couple of like there's like a small band of anti anti woke. Um, the reaction to the reaction, mm-hmm. you can say. But just so we're clear, like when you're you're talking about the anti wokes, you're talking about this cohort, the sort of IDW was the kind of initial iteration and then people you know so people like brett and eric weinstein and dissident leftists or jonathan uh, Haidt, or thomas chatter williams or john mccorder glenn lowry yeah this this whole crew yeah just so so we're clear yes okay yeah yeah and it's it's hard to define crew because of course there's like crazier elements and there's more stable elements and there's off normal and became crazy crazy yeah right right there's (laughs) like us yes like me definitely um so there's uh there's a lot there's variants here it's a eclectic kind of a group but it certainly is a you know it is a group in a general sense like you can sort of pinpoint (laughs) it's a tribe that is anti-tribal yeah and Mm anti-tribe what a Ugh, so embarrassing. I I hate I it when people say that. Um, I know, but it's kind of true. Yeah, I mean, it's. Oh, oh, that, I know what we'll, he's supposed we'll to do about it. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, but we're still. It, I I would prefer to be in this group. So this guy tweeted. Um, he says, "Am I allowed to say that POC in the anti woke slash heterodox slash IDW adjacent tribe?" are successful largely because their appearance makes them ideal mouthpieces for laundering tired, regressive arguments about race? Or are we only allowed to say stuff like that about mermaids? But that's a really good tweet. I bet he had zero characters left. <laughs> like it has that, like, you, do you ever do that thing where you're like, oh, I want to say, I'm going to get every little less bit and I'm not going to stop until it gets to zero. I want to use every possible character. It's very efficient. Okay. So am I allowed to say that POC and the Andy Woke Heterodox IDW tribe? So he, that means people of color, just so we're clear. Yeah. People, people of, of color. color. So he's basically saying Thank like, uh, if, mm-hmm. if we're allowed to say, like, I guess there was, there's, he's referring to the conversation about the little mermaid. There's a black little mermaid in the live action. Oh, see, I didn't even uh, know that. I yeah, thought, there is. I thought he was talking about actual. Oh. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so, th- so the discourse is obviously stupid because the whole thing is stupid and it's a, why are they even doing so the wait, live action So wait, what's stuff? the black thing with the, mer- what's the story? She's Ariel. Ariel is, 
oh. you know, Ariel from The Little Mermaid for the with the, yes. the live action remake is a black singer. And she's oh. so she's black and she's not supposed to be black. Ariel, Ariel is white. And so this is um causing problems. And, and so <laughs> oh, <I laughs> like see. everything, there's like there's a point, but it's also like overblown and crazy. Um I'm I don't want to touch it because it's so stupid. Um <laughs> Okay. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong, generally speaking. I mean, we we can touch it to the extent that I, I I'll say I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting um you know, characters to more or less appear to be like if there's something you know so i i think it would be really offensive to me if the little mermaid didn't have red hair because it was such a big part of like who she was or you know like she stuck out by being that person Mm -hmm. um and so i think it's it's fair to say that there's that you want physical similarities um you know, uh, in your, in beloved characters, it's not, of course, it's not a huge deal. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's also, obviously there's a political, uh, agenda behind all of this because you don't see, this won't happen to Milan. This won't happen to, you know, Jasmine or Aladdin and, <laughs> you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, okay. the POC princesses. Sweet was talking about these movies. Was it really? He, I, yeah, I think it was, I okay. think he was referring to this because it's been, it's been going on. Um, okay. uh, this, this converse, this discourse, if you can call it discourse oh, okay. has been, <laughs> has been about this, you know? Um, uh, and, uh, I think that it's, of course, insane. So this is that's that's all I have to say about that. Do you have a lot to say about the mermaid? No, because I don't have kids. Just, and I don't know what I don't even follow. That's st- like I'm. I'm Do you just, know who the Little Mermaid is? No, I mean I know I've heard of it. <laughs> yes, yeah, now really? you can get me. Really? You didn't know what the wait? Love no, boat no, no, no. You do know. Time. You do know. You're joking. Know, that's a joke. It. I know. I've never seen it. I've never seen <clears throat> what? the movie. No, what? I don't know. Okay. No. Oh my gosh. Wait, does she? Did she like jump off the love boat and go into the ocean? Oh my gosh, Megan! <laughs> this is like a last okay. time Sarah didn't know right. what love boat was. I think yeah, I didn't. Bonus I didn't. So um, but now, right, now I now I know. Me. So okay, so the the Little Mermaid. Uh, I can't believe I have to explain, but this <laughs> beloved. You shouldn't have to educate me. Um, yeah, it's very it's taxing. You should pay me for this. Um, <laughs> Um, it's a it's a Disney um, animated classic. Now it's a classic. I'm it was sure. it came out in the nineties. No, it was part of this like renaissance of Disney animation that yeah. started with The Lion King, and then there was Little Mermaid and Aladdin, and I a couple of others, Beauty and the Beast, that were part of this crew of like very well done um, uh, uh, <clears throat> animated movies. I was raised on these movies, yeah. you know, because they came out around the time I, I was. You know, I was born in the 90s. I, you know, so these are coming out when I was very young at the perfect time for me. Um, I actually watched The Lion King in Pakistan and it oh. was dubbed in Urdu. So I didn't even hear the magnificent voice of Mufasa. Wow. Because that was in the English version. Yeah. Until like much later. And I was like, wow, he sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> Aww. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So Little Mermaid has red hair, and that's like yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well it, yeah, but she's also white, and now she's black with red hair, and it's it's. <laughs> well, but so it, she's a social justice warrior. <laughs> exactly, and it's uh, people. This is causing problems. Anyway, whatever. So this guy is basically pushing back on that discourse by making a very offensive <laughs> claim on his 
<laughs> on his own. Am I allowed to say that people of color in the anti-woke heterodox IDW adjacent tribes are successful largely because of their appearance? Because our appearance makes us ideal mouthpieces for laundering tired, regressive arguments about race. Um, Megan, how do you feel about this? Do you think that I'm laundering? Am I laundering your tired, regressive arguments well, about race right I'm now? A little, I'm a little <laughs> jealous because you are allowed to say your kind of, um, you know, your positionality, as they mm. say, is more mm. in fashion than mine at the moment. Mm. Mm. So I would say like maybe, well, I don't know. Was there a time when, when you know, if you were a woman who was criticizing certain aspects of feminism I don't know that that was ever really, you know what? Because a lot of that was going on before social media. We had people like Katie Royfe back <laughs> in this very time. You see, when The Little Mermaid was coming out, I was reading Katie Royfe. So yeah, like in the <laughs> mid nineties, you had like, the morning after you had those kinds of dissident, dissident feminists, maybe somebody like Camille Paglia. Um, but there wasn't but social were they media. Called, they they so weren't. were they called like native informants? Like, was there an aspect? No, was there, there a pushback? Being amplified? No, because <laughs> at the very most, they would write a book, and it would be controversial, and they would go on Charlie Rose and talk about it, and it they would hmm. you know go they would speak it on campuses. No, mm-hmm. it had it was there was no comparing. But I think even ten years ago, let's say, if you were no, because I started criticizing feminism. Well, I mean, I always kind of did, but in this particular mode, I would say 2014 or so. And I don't think there was like a lot of cachet around it. You were, if I was criticizing the Jezebel kind of crew, it's not like there were a group of us doing it and we had our own like cool ecosystem. So are you, so would you say that things have changed now? Like, would you say now you're more likely to be called a sellout for, you know, selling yourself sisters short. Um, Is that I a think well, but I think it's jumped it's it's <clears throat> jumped over f- sex and you know, femaleness. It's so much about race now. I think people mm. are much too preoccupied calling the anti people POC bigots, yeah. people uh, apostates that they don't even notice like the white women <laughs> complaining about feminism anymore. And the other thing is that women of color cannot complain about them, it's much harder for them to to criticize any of this because then they get blowback from other other people of color and other women. Yeah, that's it's intersectionality. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect I example mean, of it. So you know, it's 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 what he's pointing to is that there's an aspect of it that's that's true, um, and then there's a there's a larger there's a larger way in which he's he's. Uh, an idiot. Well, and he's a hip, completely and a reductive. Yeah, he's yeah. not saying it's a completely simpleton like point, right? I mean, so it, it, he he's pointing at the so the way that he phrases it, they're successful largely because of their appearance. So that's patently untrue, right? Um, I mean, there's no you can't you can't just you know pick a if you pick a random American you'd ha- uh, from the street, they're not going to be as articulate as John McCorder. Um, articulate. You know, you, it, that's are, racist. Is, is, that, is it still racist to call a intelligent? Articulate. <laughs> you can't. The court right. is more articulate than anybody on the face of the earth. Yeah, he's His up there. Eloquence. He's is up there. Unsurpassed. Camille was very articulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Camille. Camille's one of those people who's like sounds like he swallowed a thesaurus. Um, <laughs> he swallowed a thesaurus. <laughs> 
yeah. of back when they were actually in in the form of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it, but you you know what I mean? Like it, there's it, this is John McCorder is not an average person in any way, shape, or form. So well, also these are the people who wind up in media. They're, right. It's a you know it's self selecting. Right. Group. So it's, so so he what he's pointing to, which is re- the aspect of it that's true in this, is that of course, it, you know that that. P- POC are more allowed to talk about race. Like what we're discussing in this in this in this podcast right now. That you're just not allowed to say anything. I'm more shielded from criticism simply because of my the color of my skin. If you if you create an artificial barrier to you know to to entry in a conversation, uh, are, can you be surprised that it it results in in certain you know certain kinds of people being elevated above others? Um, so I, I definitely think, of course, there's um, an advantage to belonging to that group if you're going to criticize that group. I and mean, that's the, that's true with, you know, my ex-Muslim status that I can point. I've been able to point out problems in Islam in a way that, you know, non-Muslims, like people who have never been Muslims, just simply they can't get away with it without having their lives destroyed. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what we're pointing to here. So this this. The problem that he's point the, the the phenomena to the extent that it exists, um, and it is it it is partially true, of course, um, it exists because because you know <laughs> because the progressive left ensures that it 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 has to exist, right? So John McCorder has a New York Times newsletter now. Could anyone <laughs> that didn't share his race? Who had the same exact ideas no, be platformed by the no, New York Times? No, and they have to hold their nose as it is to platform him. I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you're, you're, he's barely made the cuff, and he's only really just kind of just allowed to get away with it because of his color of his skin. I mean, these are conditions that the progressive left is creating, you know. And then to to then come back at the you know IDW POC and say, "Ha, ah, you guys are only you're you're you guys are only successful because you're." You know, uh, th- then the second part of it that really makes me mad about it is that there's that he implied that they're laundering, you know, <laughs> these arguments that these arguments don't belong to us. We don't care about we, we th- th- these are not uh, sincerely held viewpoints or they're, they're of, not original <clears throat> concepts that right. you're offering. Up, right. You're just taking there's nothing t- new tired racist tropes and. Yeah, I'm I'm reinventing everything Sam Harris says, um, but it's just coming out of my mouth um, and, you know, laundering it. I mean, I've been accused of this from the very beginning. It is it is racist. It is racist to assume this. He is being a racist um, to to presume that we are mouthpieces. You know, why can't we just actually legitimately believe in it? (laughs) Like, why can't why isn't that um, ever considered to be a real possibility? And this it's so insulting to even have anyone imply that. Yeah, and it's implied all the time. It's explicitly stated, actually, all the time. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that it's white. It's white supremacy. That is, yeah, that you're, you're just it's brainwashed you. And then um, the the last point that I I'll I'll touch on this that makes me very makes me really mad is the idea that you know and and further down in his in this guy's thread, so lots of people jumped on this thread, uh, were criticizing him, and then other people were agreeing with him, like the woke. POC were all on there uh, saying, yeah, basically, you know, you know, Coleman Hughes is a good example of this or John McWhorter is a good example of this. And it's like, this is crazy. Like, you're, I mean, as if Coleman isn't, so of course it, yes, the fact that Coleman is black, you know, the fact that Coleman Hughes is a black guy, like it, it 
is an advantage. But the biggest advantage is he has not the fact that he's black. It's that he's incredibly brilliant, you know, like, and, and for, for any race, for any color. Um, and if we were to imagine that someone with the talents of Coleman instead you know, let's presume that he doesn't really believe it, like that, that this is true, that we're just laundering arguments. Why wouldn't we just switch to the other side where it's far more profitable? Right. You know, like if, if, if Coleman can, with John McCord, he's barely, you know, they're, as you said, holding up their noses, platforming him. Meanwhile, there are a bunch of idiotic articles being published constantly in the New York Times, but but they just agree with the right politics. Yeah. You know, so why wouldn't you, if you're an enterprising POC, right, like p- person of color, and all you care about is professional success, um, you know, and I, I've thought so about this. Like, purely opportunistic. If I was yeah, purely optimistic, you know, why wouldn't I just train. say the woke? Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't I just say the woke thing? That's an easier path because you're not John McCorder isn't competing with. I mean, there's this idea that he's competing with 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 other IDW people, what other you know white people who are smart and who could say the same thing, but better, whatever. So maybe there's that. But what he's who's really competing with, if if truly he's an opportunist, is someone like Ibrahim Kendi. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his actual competition if he's only laundering his skin color yeah you know and and let me tell you someone like coleman hughes if he decided if coleman decided to be woke (laughs) if he was woke someone with his you know intellectual capacity and just he's so young and so brilliant you know someone at at that level would be worshipped if he had dreadlocks if he had dreadlocks Not and if he had Coleman the right looks. politics, right? No. I mean, because because these are these are people who worship Nicole Hannah Jones and Abraham Kennedy, people who are like barely can get a sentence out without sounding like complete fools, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the other insult on top of the injury because there there there's already everyone in the space, POC, white people, whatever, everyone in the um, anti woke space is suffering some amount of professional blowback. For doing what they're doing, they would say that's not true. You guys are taking it to the bank. You you're yeah. on all these platforms. Yeah, I, I don't. I actually think there's nothing you can do about about that. I mean, I, there's nothing I can do to convince this person that I would be more successful if I were to say that I'm a Muslim and I'm oppressed. I mean, would you? But like, okay, but is there is the field so crowded in the woke space that it would be harder to find your place? Are there more? Abraham Kendi's and Nicole Hannah Jones. That Obviously not, because so, it because but, who they who they can muster at the top is right, Abraham but is Kendi. It's harder to find your way. Like there, you know, there is Roxanne Gay. There are all these people. Like yeah. if I was if I was gonna be uh, a Me Too feminist, okay. So mm-hmm. if, if during Me Too I had jumped on that wagon, mm-hmm. I would be in a very large pool. Mm-hmm. There would be a lot of us generic white girls swimming around talking about how yeah. we were victimized talking yeah. about the patriarchy no more we're putting our feet down we've we've endured this for so long we never talked about et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. so if if i had wanted to play that game regardless of whether or not i believed it i think that it still might have been so it, it hard, i think you're right that harder. it's a, it's a much bigger it depends on the field um, yeah. So when it comes to the ex-Muslim yeah. game, for example, right. like yeah. for, when it comes to Muslim spokespeople, there's like two of them. There's like there's right. no this is no, you know, and, and and the few that are out there, the few Muslim women that are out there that speak on any level, they're really just um, superficial, extremely, you know, and I, I remember um, several times, 
you know, noting people who were getting platformed, like Muslim, Muslim girls who were getting platformed. And I was trying to get a counter voice in, mm. um, you know, and despite knowing what I was talking about on a level that they couldn't uh, possibly achieve, um, I was so counter to to the story that they wanted to tell that I was never platformed. Um, and people would, I, I would, mm. I would get upset, you know, because it was just like the, you can, if, if you were a woke Muslim girl, you were willing to put on the headscarf, you're willing to say certain mm. things, uh, you can get a vice documentary. You know, it, it's, it's occurred to me that if, if all I have to do is change my politics and I would get a lot more, a lot more coverage in that's in the ex-Muslim Muslim space. That's a smaller field to begin with. Um, when it comes to race, it if it wasn't the case that Ibrahim Kendi was truly where he was, that Nicole Hannah Jones truly is where she is, um, I might agree with you. I think the feminist space is different. It's a lot more crowded. Um, the race space is different, definitely. And the people that tend to like the feminists that rise to the top. Um, they may be ideologically kind of insane or absurd, but they're capable of making um, powerful arguments um, or at least, you know. Right. Well, there's because they had to get to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. There's there. There is competition there. So they have to at least have a certain level. Yeah. But I, but I agree with that general point knowledge. that the field is smaller. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the IDW space, the field is definitely smaller, but you pay with a kind of stigma that follows you forever. Um, and you have to succeed in these alternative platforms. You know, you have to get a podcast or a sub stack or some sort of alternative venue, uh, which is extremely risky and succeed in that space because there's no more, you know, the, 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 the old, uh, legacy media, <clears throat> legacy media, you know, the institutions that could possibly, um, house you no longer, you know, no longer will touch you. Um, so there's, but then the thing is, okay, I'm just going to say, because then they're going to say, well, they will, because there was a story, there are plenty of articles in the Atlantic that say the kinds of things we say. So there is that. I don't agree, but I don't as, agree. Well, occasionally, you know, occasionally, I, mean, I occasionally, an editor at yeah. the Atlantic call me recently and wanted yeah. me to write Occasionally, her, nothing in the Atlantic, nothing in the Atlantic. <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, it wasn't, that's the problem is there's no, the economy is gone. You can't get paid. No, I, 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 I disagree in that. I don't, there's nothing that I've ever read in the Atlantic that agreed with my position on gender. And I don't. I think that if I were to write it, even they would, Jesse they Singles' would... piece that was. Too, I mean, that was Jesse. The but first Jesse's one. so careful. He's so careful. Yeah, he's it so was, careful. It was larded with, with to be sure. To be sure, had to and, do that because he had to do that. But that it's still, and I think they got burned on that, and they, they got burned hard. And and he had to. I mean, he was. And he's still sort of stamped with the weight of that piece. Oh, it's insane the things he's accused of. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a normal person, would, do you want to be treated the way Jesse Single is treated? No, not if you're a normal person. But we're not normal. I see. What, I know what you're saying. Right. You, you know what I mean? Right. I think the stigma enough is it, 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 it's, it's so it. for, for the average person, it's so de debilitating, you know, on your day to day life that you don't want to you don't want to live like that. You can't, uh, uh, you know, imagine a career uh, that that continue that has to continually contend with with this uh, these accusations 
of bigotry and, and but some of the okay but, but some people of on the, some of these substackers are making exponentially more money yeah yeah they are. but, but that's that's a lot that's any good writer that has an audience um i mean i think there's there's a lot mm-hmm. of ink that's been spilled about you know like how much andrew sullivan makes or whatever um off of you know and, and there's like oh there's you know iew people can make a lot of money because 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 he makes a lot of money mm-hmm. um which is you know of course it's possible like of course you can you can be andrew sullivan um but how many spaces are there for an andrew sullivan you know like i mean it's a right. even well, smaller also he's british also he's british you know so when i had louise perry on the unspeakable last week we talked she's 30 and she's criticizing feminism in a pretty pointed way and we talked about how she kind of gets away with it because she's british mm. if she why? were a white american woman why I think the same reason douglas murray kind of gets away with what he does he's gay yeah. and british but i i don't know well first of all in in the uk the culture wars they have a different kind of uh, they, they they don't play out the same way because they don't have a far right. They don't have the Christian right. So there isn't mm. this anxiety over the other side weaponizing your arguments. Mm. So I just think there's a lot more space for discussion. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's true everywhere though, because I don't, I, none, <laughs> Europe in general doesn't really have a religious right in the same way that America does. Yeah, but does. They, do they have these, are there are there European intellectuals? Yeah, commenting yeah. on this stuff. I don't know, but so anyway. But let's get back to what the the original point was that it, the idea that like there's some kind of group of people of color taking advantage you know, taking advantage of that fact to just getting or getting never rich or not deserving their place things. also yeah, exactly. like you know exactly. just uh, not deserving like, and it would be who who are you crowding out like who would it be otherwise. Like you're yes. taking you're taking a you're taking a job away from a nice white person who can say these things. Someone actually literally said that in the thread. I forget who, but somebody somebody <laughs> really? literally said, yeah, like that that people like you know Connor Friesendorf is is you know extremely intelligent and and better than John McCorder and a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like they're different. They're very different. Um, John McCorder Connor offers Friesendorf a- does not get the opportunities that John McCorder gets is my guess he gets his but they're not the same at all for, no they're not, they're the, not same the same at all, at all. like no. they don't have the same they you know, it's it's that's what that's the other thing that kind of upsets me about being a part of this like anti-tribe tribe because i don't feel i feel like uh, there's so many ways in which you can be counter-cultural right and and you don't have to d- counter-cultural people don't have to agree with each other they just have to disagree with the mainstream narrative, whatever it is. And you can disagree in very different ways and you can have very different perspectives um, and and share very different values even. Um, and to lump all of those people who disagree with the mainstream narrative as one group, it doesn't, to yeah. me, it doesn't make a lot of sense because we're not interchangeable. No. You know, I don't, our focuses are all extremely different. Like intuitively, we gravitate towards different topics not only because like i mean i I, the other thing about race is that part of the reason it's uh, pocs talk about race is because it's where racialized this affects us right (laughs) you know i like it's why i talk about why i talk about issues relating to sex and you know feminism and womanhood and motherhood because these are issues that affect me yeah um it's 
it's really, you know, somebody <clears throat> mentioned Candace Owens. Like I noticed in this tweet thread, people are all over the place. And then somebody says, look, you know, here's an example of Candace Owens as if she's in this group. The group always has, and they just expand it to whatever, you know, and, and it, that's what really bothers me about being labeled as part of this, because it's just it, it, anyone, anyone, you know, who's, who's, rightfully or wrongfully demonized by certain mainstream you know legacy outlets are just we're all one t- one big group it doesn't matter how much i disagree with all of them about everything you know i have nothing in common with eric weinstein why am i in a group where he's in like why am i <laughs> like what do we have in common like what do we agree on i have no idea um but but yet and yet um so this is my tribe. So should we not? So should we? Should there be? Well, I I have been saying that it's time for like an IDW 2.0. Not even <sighs> using IDW anymore because it's it, it. We need to be. I hate to say even we. It's stupid. It's like we're just people in the world having ideas. Well, no, saying, I I think it's stupid to. I don't think we should have a but tribe. Is it a period. Movement? That's what I'm I saying. Don't think we like, should. It's a, is it a? Should we shouldn't have a tribe? Should we even have a movement? If we have a movement, it should have an a, a clear, articulated set of ideals and goals. You know, and I I, I always I I never liked IDW to begin with. The first it came out that that Barry Weiss's article came out. I was like, wow. And she did not coin that term anyway. <laughs> she didn't coin it. Uh, I think it was a it joke, was right? Or I think, something. I thought it was Eric. He it was said Eric. It was a joke. It was Eric. Or maybe he meant it seriously. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it, it, you, can, you can never tell with him. Um, I know he means it seriously. Yeah. It, he doesn't know. I mean, it was Im- it, not just, just embarrassing right from the very beginning, but it was, um, to me, it was. If if you can if you can call something a movement, um, and you have a specific set of here's what we believe, and therefore here's what we don't believe, like here's what we're countering, you know, um, and a set of goals that you would like to see, it makes sense, um, you know. E- look at any intellectual movement; it has to have some coherent sense of who you are. Like what do you, what do you what are you for? Um, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. It, it was never clear to me that this even made sense as a movement, um, other than just you know, a counterculture pushback, which is, you don't even need a name for that. Just call that what it is. Um, but, but to call it a tribe to give, here's a group and here are the list of people in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, it is harmful to free thought. The second you say, I'm here's 10 of us and we're a tribe together. Your brain can't help, <laughs> but be at just from then point forward, like more, more, uh, uh, susceptible to be kind to that group, to be generous and charitable to that group, and less so oh, to the anti. Group. Yeah, to, yeah, to the. I mean, it's a it's a human tendency. The second you are put into a tribe, whether by your own, you know, movements or by you know, or put in that tribe by somebody else, you can't help but be mentally affected. Yeah. Um. And so it, it just doesn't even make any sense for a group to think to to first call themselves free thinkers and then to say you know also there's a group of us <laughs> like there's a there's like, a tension there yeah, exactly. and i don't like it i feel like if anything what we stand for <clears throat> is reality I mean, yeah people would so when when my last book came out which was about the feminism mostly other things too but people would say well how you know how you as a privileged white woman 
why should you be critiquing this? Why, how about you let somebody else, why should your, why should your experience define this? And I would say I'm not speaking as a privileged white woman. I'm speaking as somebody who's allergic to a certain kind of bullshit. And you don't have to be any particular kind of person to be allergic to bullshit. All kinds of people are. Yeah. I feel like it's just, it's really, it's really very simple. Yeah. It's just the people who can't stand this pretense this affectation, the posturing, it just have straightforward conversations about reality. Yeah. Yeah. And or just, I mean, for, for me, to the extent that there, I feel like there's an us, and I might say there's an us, um, is that I feel um, empathetic towards the experience that I feel like some of us continue to have. And it, it's a very, it's a clear pattern. It happens the same way. You know, you, you step in it, <laughs> by by going on the wrong end of the narrative and then everybody uh you know everybody you uh, disowns you or whatever you know like and, and then you face the mob for the first time and you have this experience of being an outsider um and and feeling as if you you've been betrayed by your own people like this there's a there's an experience right and i think you've written about this um experience Megan. i think that was the first piece that i read mm. from you was when you was your uh, oh nuance piece about a the... love story <laughs> I think so yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it, 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 it's that experience that I can relate to very um, obviously because it's it's been my experience um, and I you know there's a group of people that are having this experience and we're having it together a lot of people um, it's yeah. a huge group that's the other thing people yeah. don't realize how big it is yeah and yeah. we're pretending like it's not so again well. All right. Well, okay. we should probably wind this down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just have, you know, one, I have so much, so much to say about this specific talk, but if anyone wants to read it, I wrote a piece about tokenism, um, my experience with tokenism. Um, and it, it, the, the thing that, that gets me here, which this, this tweet kind of touches on, which is, it, which is that it's tokenism leads to more tokenism, which leads to more tokenism. Um, you know, the more that it becomes impossible for people to, uh, in this case, they can't even participate in the conversation because they don't share some characteristic. Um, well, of, of course, you're going to have people who who do share the characteristics who are now like specially qualified and, and given more of a platform. And then and then this keeps going back and forth um, until you have just separate realms of of discourse that are kind of they can't really touch each other. Um, on an even in an even place, um, you know. Even I've there, there have been times where people have been afraid to push back on me. So these are like woke white people who are afraid to push back on me because they can't invalidate the experience of a POC. Right. <laughs> Even though they disagree with me yeah. and they have these progressive politics, oh, they must, but they their head's going to explode. But you. But it, it makes me feel like okay, am I, am I just untouchable? You know, like that I've been put on this pedestal that I can only I can say these things and no one who doesn't share my characteristics can push back on what I said. It feels very um, it feels very dehumanizing, you know, and and it it does professionally. The what really pissed me off about all this and I wrote it in my piece a little bit um, and and made it so that I, I, I kind of promised myself, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to work in these, I'm always going to work for myself or, you know, in a 
company or group or whatever that I found because I don't want to face these dynamics. I don't want to be, you know, anybody's shield or well, I, I, well, there's that, of course. <laughs> that's no, why I'm that's doing interesting. this. <laughs> no, but I mean, you but, don't want to work for like a company because, oh, that's interesting. I don't want to be, I don't want to be treated this way. I want to, uh, it, you know, growth means uh, being experience, experiencing critical feedback, you know, failing and failing uh, sometimes publicly and being, you know, and, and using that as, you know, something to grow from. Um, but when you're, when you're actually tokenized and you're put in this special little bubble, you know, you can't get this critical feedback. You can't grow. Um, and I find that, you know, anytime I'm in a, in a space that's extremely racially conscious, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, there's a, there's a, glass ceiling, but also a a floor, right? Like I can't, Mm -hmm. I I will never be treated as badly as white people who fuck up, but I will never really make it, uh, you know, to the, to the top or make it to the top and know that my colleagues know that I deserve to be here. You know, like it's the whole Barack Obama got, (laughs) you know, he got, he was president because he was black uh, kind of thing, which is, and again, of course, of course, that was an element. Having said that, George Bush was president before him. <laughs> um, Donald Trump was president after him. Take away Barack Obama's race. The guy is still, you know, heads and shoulders. I mean, leagues, magnitudes, yeah. more competent in every way. And yet he always had that. He always, people were always willing to bring that up. And it, you know, it's it stings. Yeah, I hear you. I, that's That's really... I think you're right. And I haven't actually heard anybody articulate it quite like that. Yeah, and I'm sorry I have such a sore throat. It's like I can barely, I can barely talk. I'm losing my voice. I'm like raspy. Yeah, because we've Earlier this week, I kind of had a sexy cigarette smoker voice, actually. Look, when you're when podcast, my laryngitis was really bad. Voice. <laughs> be like, you need to have, be like, have like the, the voice doctor come, you know, in those behind the music documentaries about the traveling rock stars. They always have the scenes where the, the, the doctor comes and because they, they've lost their voice and they have to do all this like gargling and exercises. That, that's what we need. We need like Madonna's larynx physician to come. Well, uh, all right. Well, good, good talk here. <laughs> We're going to do some bonus content. Yeah, we're going to do the bonus content. And uh, what else do we have? We're going to. Yeah. Please, please subscribe to get (laughs) access to it. Yeah, you got to subscribe. And I know there's a lot of Substacks going on and I have my new Substack and I know there's a lot. uh, But, you know, it is what it is. This is where we are. Yeah, we're 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 not going to apologize. We're offering, uh, you know, some goods. I'll apologize. I'm I'm just I'm sorry. Everybody. Yeah, you're you're always apologizing. Always. That's that's the problem here. Yeah. Okay, but I won't. White woman. I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah. yeah. And um, okay. All right. Well, uh, see you next week. Okay. See you in hell. See you in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>